groundbreaking research. Cutting edge ideas. The future of society. For inquisitive minds. F-I-M. Welcome to the podcast. This is Ali. And Ophelia. And uh, Ophelia's looking tired, man. Ophelia, you need to get your energy up. Come on, Ali. Let's go. Continue. <laughs> that was not energetic at all. We have Rafa with us today. Rafa, how are you? Good, good. Welcome. Welcome to the show. <laughs> really excited to have you today. It might, not, it might not look like it, but we, you know, I'm very excited to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks are, for having me. Are you, are you excited? <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit nervous. But... Uh, no, don't be nervous. I mean, as I say, I don't buy he does. So if he, like, if you feel like he's about to, oh uh, yeah, just, uh, just, just, just literally just say, Ali, just let me be. All right. Nine out of sixteen of our guests have gone home crying. So you're, okay. you're going to be okay if I'm you're gonna, one of them. Nine out of six now. have gone home crying. Nine out of sixteen. I think it was all of them, wasn't it? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a very so precise number. I feel like it's not a joke. Yeah, yeah. I tried to make it as serious as possible. I, I don't know how many guests we've actually interviewed. You, you, okay. you might be our seventeenth. You might be our fourth. I don't know. <laughs> keep, keep the guests guessing. Is kind of the way go. I'm not going to yeah, comment exactly. on that. I'm not going to comment on that because I wasn't there <laughs> when he interviewed all those yeah guests crying. So yeah. I think I think they only cried when Upele was there. I think I was like the voice of reason to keep him calm. You know. Sure. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Let, I'll, let, I'll let you be the judge of that exactly let me see let me see how this goes <laughs> no but welcome really really excited to have you thanks yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have an amazing background uh, do you want to talk a bit about what you've done in the past uh, sure like my educational background well, and so on well actually start with uh, your, your history because uh, <laughs> what's yeah what is your yeah, history what's your background Where, who's Rafa who is Rafa, Rafa? <laughs> well um, yeah um, I'm Lebanese, so um, I was I grew up in Lebanon. Although I, I was born in Australia, my parents mm-hmm. were there when I was younger, well, I, before I was born, mm-hmm. and um, I was there till I was four. Moved back to Lebanon, grew up there, and then I did my bachelor in electrical engineering, mm-hmm. and decided to do a PhD afterwards. So I skipped through uh, a master's. I didn't do a master because I was lucky enough to do a Bachelor of Engineering, which is four years long mm-hmm. with summers. So in Europe, that's a Master of Science. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do a PhD straight away. And I did that in communication systems. Nice. And specifically in coding theory. Nice. And then I finished in like four years and then decided to move to data science. So I studied a bit on my own. There was a lot of overlap between communication systems and data science in terms of graphical models, some statistics and probabilities. Mm-hmm. and uh, programming i guess mm-hmm. and then now i work uh, here in london nice, nice. and uh, i work as a data scientist at ing the bank awesome nice yeah. what is communication systems communication systems is or like you say coding uh, theory which, which one no communication <laughs> systems then then there's coding theory oh right okay because yeah. cool. yeah. that's what you've done first right you know you study communication systems and then transitioned into coding theory well, sort of. So coding theory is a subfield of communication systems. Ah, right, okay. So I had done electrical engineering and one of the branches of electrical engineering is communication systems. Right. And then I specialized in that. So you really spent, okay. Yeah. Okay. So what is it? So communication systems is basically the study of uh, sending information reliably from 
point A to point B or over a network, like um, making sure that uh, the integrity of, of data is, uh, is preserved during transmission. So let's say having a stable internet connection or a phone connection or even video streaming, if you think of Netflix, uh, just getting exactly what you're supposed to see. That's communication systems. It's quite fascinating, Main kind of isn't work. it? I mean, how how does that work? So, how do you preserve it? I mean, is it just you know? Does it just I don't know what is it? How does it all yeah. transpire? So that's that's actually sort of what what I worked on. Uh, that's coding theory, which is basically what you do is um, you have a message that you're transmitting from point A to point B. Okay, yes. let's say uh, let's say it's an email that you write down. And you want to send it from your laptop across the internet to someone else's email, laptop, laptop whatever. My laptop, yeah. yeah. Let's take so, my laptop. <laughs> sure, your laptop. <laughs> my yeah, laptop. My specific laptop. I don't, I don't, no, not any other laptop. My laptop. Your laptop yeah. to my laptop. Yeah. It's a Mac, by the way. I've got a Mac. <laughs> it's a beautiful yeah. Mac. Oh, thank you. It's quite old, actually. I've had it for goodness how many years. I need a new one. <laughs> Yeah, so, yes, so, yeah, communication theory. <laughs> yeah, so what email, happens? Email, your email, email, yeah. So you write down hello, yeah. and then you want to send this hello, these five letters to someone else. So if you just send send this message, which is just hello, yeah. what happens is it goes through, represented in bits, but let's not go there. Let's say it's just five letters, okay? Yes. And you send it through the internet. So think of um, wires like fiber optics or something. Then it, it could be that there is some disturbance in this transmission that uh, maybe the wires are bent a bit or maybe there's some uh, interference from the external factors or something that some of these letters get erased or get distorted. Okay. So if you do nothing to the message, there is some probability uh, that the receiver won't receive exactly what you sent. So what you what you should do is encode your message and protect it uh, on from your laptop from, laptop. from the transmitter side. Yeah. And then at the receiver side, I sort of know how you had encoded it, so I would decode it, and then I would recover the original message. All right. And how does that process work? So okay, so you sent me that. Yeah, it's it's all encrypted, mm -hmm. and then when I'm about to decode it, is there, is there functionality? Do I need to do something, or there's already a process in place? Yeah, there's there's already a process in place. So uh, this is this process is agreed upon between uh, the builders of the internet or the, the communication system or so on. So for instance, for five G, they have they have or for any of those network. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, they have meetings and they sort of all agree together uh, on which uh, encoding and decoding schemes they're going to use. And they there are different researchers and academics who come and argue that their way is better or their way is better and they say why and so on. But eventually they have all these meetings, they agree on a specific norm and then everyone has to comply, right? And then let's say um, EE would take that and, and comply with those norms. Right. So, so you as a user, you wouldn't have to do anything. It's all built into the system. Excellent. So, Ali, can you yeah. sum that up? What is coding theory? Encoding. <laughs> can you? Be so, so, as far as I understand it, just just communication systems, mm -hmm. which are basically any sort of mechanisms that communicate information from point A to point B, and then you have coding theory, <laughs> which is a specific theory around how um, that message is coded so that it can be kept and securely sent from one place to the other. Is that fair to say? Yes. So there's there is something though. It's, it's a bit specific, but there is a difference between coding theory and information theory. Uh, my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> is there something different there? Yeah. 
But yeah, anyway, so it's a coding theory, as you're saying. Yeah, so it's it's not it's not about uh, hiding the information from other people. Mm-hmm. So this is different than like just protecting it secure, it from right? hacking. It's keeping it preserved. Preserved. So okay. there's a, other fields care uh, take care of like hiding it from from external people who are listening in or something. But that's not coding theory. It's so coding it's, theory. it's like this water, right? Where water, if you close it, you're preserving it, right? Yeah. So exactly. You can yeah. still see this water yeah. in it. You can still see all the characters or whatever. Yeah. You know who can't see that water? Who can't see the, the water? The guests who are listening to our podcast. Now you can. Okay, so guys, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain to you. Let's figure this out. So, think of a water bottle. So there's think of a water water bottle, and as he says, water bottle, and then <laughs> inside it, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no point. <laughs> I've lost it. Yeah. I've so lost the, the message, the content of the message, is the water. The water bottle itself is is the encoding around the water. Encoding theory is a study of how to wrap the water yeah. and the different kinds of water bottles or different kinds of coatings yeah. that you could have. And then if, if we were to go deeper, like in terms of actually encrypting that, that's a different. That's different. That's different. Right. Yeah. So, and there's another thing that there's, uh, there's a lot of ways to encode and decode and uh, coding theory is about choosing the technique of encoding and decoding that right. would be most efficient. Mm-hmm. So just to go back to the hello example, yes. you could, for example, send instead of H-E-L-L-O, you could send H-H-H-E-E-E-L-L-L, oh, etc. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you could just replicate everything. And then if something is distorted, then it's okay because you have copies, oh, right? Yes. But this is very inefficient because it takes out three times as much space as the original message. Mm-hmm. So coding theory is about how to ensure that you will recover everything, mm-hmm. but using the smallest memory you can. Gotcha. Yeah. Why is this so important? Why should, why should they care? Um, because, well, the, you want the message to be as small as possible and the decoding to be as fast as possible to ensure that the speed of transmission is high. And also you can, if you, if you use less bandwidth or less memory, then you can send more things. So you can use the same network to send more data. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why 5G beats 4G, beats 3G, yeah. beats 2G, beats exactly. 1G. So when do we get to 6G? Oh, I have I no idea. I think 5G is the first one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, the latest one. So I think probably how many years now? Not according to Trump, I think. But... <laughs> oh, let's, let's not get into politics. But yeah, that guy is such a nothing from me. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. So why study this from your perspective? Like what made you excited about this? There are several things. I think for me, the thing that most attracted me to this is the math behind it. So in my bachelor, I took some graduate courses in communication systems, information theory, coding theory, stochastic processes and stuff. And I really liked them. So um, I decided to to pursue that field, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... You, you, so you, you found it to be interesting because of the math. What is some of the math that is behind coding theory? Uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different uh, things that you can look at. Uh, some coding uh, and encoding, decoding techniques are very algebraic, very mathematical. But I worked on more um, iterative processes. And there I worked on some functional uh, analysis, functional algebra, uh, things like that. So a lot of um, integration, let's say. Um, hmm, how can I explain it more? It's there's a lot of proofs, and the proofs rely on. Is it kind of like checksum? So it's kind of like this idea that if you sent the hello message from Upelia's laptop to your own laptop, or sorry, if Upelia sent an email from his laptop <laughs> to your Skipping laptop, his laptop because we don't really want to send things yeah. to this laptop. <laughs> 
obviously. <laughs> using an email medium, is the math that's required there kind of to double check if like hello actually was hello, if the message actually did come from. So it's like an, a combination of like an IP check to see the source, uh, a check to see the message itself. Is that kind of it? Uh, not exactly. That that definitely goes into play. Mm -hmm. But what, what I worked on and what I think coding theory is more uh, focused on is the technique in which you encode information. Mm -hmm. So for instance, yes, checksum uh, does play a role because you need to, for example, check that the sum of the entries are, are a specific uh, value. Yeah. But what I worked on mostly is uh, the functions around uh, around these specifics. So you wouldn't just check the sum, mm -hmm. but you, you would represent it as a function. Mm -hmm. And then you would try to model your problem as an optimization function. Mm -hmm. So why is that so? Because you're trying to minimize the error mm -hmm. of, of decoding, right? Yeah. So you write a function that represents this error, mm -hmm. and then you write an optimization problem, like, okay, I want to minimize the error, therefore the sort of uh, integral of that or whatever is... Yeah. Um, is my loss function, yeah. is my optimization problem, and I want to minimize it. So how can I design my code so that this is minimized? Yeah, okay. Right. So, so let, let, going down to like layman's terms, basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to understand what it takes to actually encode something such that when you actually end up decoding it, there is a lower chance of actually producing error. And the way to do that is to create some sort of, an, I, I would uh, maybe function is probably too complex. Algorithms are probably complex too, like a like a mathematical formula, if you will, that can actually find you the the lowest rate of error in the decoding process. Is that kind of a, a fair way to go? Yeah. That it's crazy that math is like everywhere. Like you cannot escape mathematics. It's it's in like every field and every sort of um, area. That's crazy. Right, and like science as well. So just to so I guess your degree that you studied was a big thing. You needed you needed that essentially to do what you're doing, right? So. How did it all? How did you get started? How did you start creating all these these? Okay, what do you call them? Math? No like, algorithms. It's too complicated. I guess. How did you think of the functions? Like? Yeah. How did you? Yeah. So, what what was the process when you initially started your your PhD? Uh, well, uh, the, those functions I didn't come up with them myself. Right. So, uh, before I started my PhD, uh, there were other academics who had uh, derived. Uh, some functions for encoding and decoding. Okay. And I think very uh, recently before I started, they had proved that this encoding-decoding scheme is optimal, which means that it decodes as much as possible of the message in the smallest amount of uh, memory or bandwidth that is theoretically achievable. So they proved that it's optimal. And I, my PhD thesis was about their encoding scheme and decoding scheme. And what I did wasn't derive those functions at all, but sort of analyze them. Mm -hmm. So um, in the first half of my PhD, I looked into different ways to prove that this scheme is optimal. And I used some... It, the result wasn't necessarily that important because it was just a re-derivation or proving again that it's optimal, but the technique that was used for this proof was novel, and that's sort of the contribution. So, And the technique was? It's called displacement convexity. Okay. So basically, when you have an optimization function, you want to minimize something, the error, let's say. And when, when you want to minimize something, uh, you look at the, the loss function, 
if you want to minimize it and it looks like it looks convex which means that it has a unique minimum okay. then it's, like a it's easy yeah it's like yeah. a u-shape then yeah. it's easy to optimize okay. there are known techniques of how to go through with finding this minimum right but in my field or in this encoding decoding scheme the loss function wasn't convex so it wasn't u-shape but my technique sort of wrote wrote this loss function in a different way so um for the technical listeners, it's uh, it's the space of probability distributions. And in this different space, it was convex. And so it's called displacement convex. And there you can optimize it. And you can prove that it's minimizer or the solution is unique. And therefore, it's, it's an optimal decoding scheme. And that's what you were expecting. Yes. You were. Okay. Wow. And, and what is the benefit of finding that out for, for the average person? Now that we have someone as smart as you who's been able to like decode this displacement convexity I, I don't know something of that nature yeah um what does that lead to so, how do i yeah. benefit as, as like average joe so assuming that i was the first person to prove that which i wasn't mm -hmm. this to, to to prove that it's optimal is important because then it would tell you like okay you found a scheme that achieves the optimal solution mm -hmm. so you don't have to necessarily keep looking for different schemes you can just work on making this scheme better and better Mm -hmm. Right. So in terms of um, a user, I think you would just the people who are designing these systems for you mm -hmm. would be sort of more focused on what they can do to help you get better performance. OK. Um, but yeah, I think the other benefit of my work is not really for users. It's mostly for people in the field or in mathematical fields who can make use of this proof right. technique. Mm -hmm. OK. Yeah. And who could make the use of that then so who are, the companies yeah, are the do we have uh individual research firms who benefit essentially i think people who are interested in finding in minimizing functions optimization functions so that could be in many different fields for instance there's communication systems there's machine learning there's even uh, compressive sensing which is used to uh let's say take an x-ray of someone in the cheapest or most efficient way possible. These people who want to optimize something, they can use this technique to investigate whether uh, they found the optimal solution, right? Because sometimes, many times, I mean, convexity is a huge issue in, in, in these fields It's for optimizing things. If something is convex, then it's really easy to analyze. So if it's not convex, they can try to write it in this different space. And if they find it to be displacement convex, then it makes their lives much easier. So I guess it's quite a costly thing for them if they don't have what you're working on, essentially. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to sort of optimize a non-convex function. Yeah. Okay. Sound. Yeah, we're getting we're getting far too complicated. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm lost. Um, I, how do we bring it back to the not? So, <laughs> so, so, I'm kind of curious how. So how does this? So a lot of the work that you did was around five G, right? Yeah, sort of. I mean, the codes that I worked on yeah. will be used in five G. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That that that's actually pretty cool. Is it a far fetched thing to say that the more people research this kind of stuff the more we'll have advancements from 5g to 6g and onwards is that fair definitely how, that, how would you sell this to like so, so if i'm interested in electrical engineering and i and i love communication systems i think you know skype and netflix and the internet internet etc are all amazing what's gonna give me the incentive to go off and say okay let me study what you've studied let me study coding theory i know it's a tough question yeah it's a tough question <laughs> how would you approach it how would I approach selling coding theory? Yeah. 
I think that I would probably try to find somebody with an interest in improving the communication systems that we have. I, where I struggle with is why coding theory as opposed to any of the other mediums of exchange, right? Because if you look at pre-internet, I wonder what was the kind of communication norm? Was it probably radio or phone lines? And they were like way back, like they were like not even at the packets of information that you could send from those communication systems were obviously not as high as what you can do with the internet. And so all of a sudden with the dawn of the internet, you now have more packets being able to be sent, more necessities on coding and more necessities on information communication. But studying that and trying to optimize that might be fruitless because the next internet that comes about is probably going to displace all of it. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like the I, I see what you mean. But the yeah. thing is that I was so giving the... guess, by the way. Uh, this, that's Ali. Guess, guess number uno. No, no, duh. <laughs> Should I? Am I supposed to cry now? <laughs> no, 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 no. I told you it would make you cry. I told you it would make you feel I'm bad. I'm not trying to make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to look dumb on my own podcast. <laughs> now we're back to Rafa. back to Rafa now. All right, okay. Now we're back to the expert, all right? Okay. So I was, I was giving the disagree with him, by the way, because I, I will. I'm that. sorry, Ali, but I'm going to disagree with you. Yes, <laughs> yes. But it's, it's actually my fault because I didn't explain it that well. So the thing is that uh, I you gave did, you the... know you did. It was too smart. That's the problem. It's too smart for us to get it. So we're just like, okay. I read like one book a year. Like you're, you're like way. This is beyond. <laughs> so bring it back to us now. All right, so. back, back to you. Yeah. So um, I gave the internet as an example because it's like the coolest example. Yeah. If I talk about like fixed phone lines, it's going to be like super boring. I think all but... the millennials would be like, fixed phone lines? What is fixed phone lines? <laughs> okay. Okay. No, talk about fax machines. Maybe talk about, I don't know. Yeah, uh, if you're yeah, interested fax in optimizing fax machines, you should join this field of coding theory. Just <laughs> <laughs> say post office. That's it. Don't get it. So, so coding theory then is not just internet. Related. No. It is, it is beyond any communication Any tool. communication system. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you, could you argue that language is like also coding theory because you're coding the language? Nope. All right. I... <laughs> no, no, go on. I want to try to get this one. What? Yeah, in what sense? I don't... So, okay. So if you're... If, if you're... again, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're coding an email and then you're making it so that the person receiving the email can open and understand what's in that email, isn't that the same as language? I, I have a feeling. I feel very happy, but I cannot communicate to you my happiness unless I actually send it to you via my words by saying, guys, I'm very happy, or by my actions, which again is another communication medium. So the coding that is on my content or of my information, which is my happiness, yeah. is my language. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And actually, then you can... Ooh, <laughs> Ooh there's a corner over there that you can cry on. Please proceed. Just to let you know, so I'm the guy who cries. I'm the one who cries. It's all out now. So you've cried five out of 16 yeah. times. <laughs> now I get it. Damn it. Why did you expose me like that? <laughs> what were you asking again? What was it? Come on, what no, are you talking about? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess you could like see this as a metaphor and say that whatever feeling you're trying to convey, you would encode it in some actions yeah. and then perhaps another person with emotional intelligence can decode it mm-hmm. and understand what you were feeling yeah you can see that, okay. that but way. in theory it's not really a language though is it because it's it's just a method of you know encrypting that message right is it really a language would you class it as well, well no i think we're, we're we're now getting more into ontology versus engineering 
So let's bring it back to sort of engineering topics. But going back to the original, original question right, before, yeah. before Pile tried to make me look dumb. Didn't try to make it look dumb. Sorry. He makes me cry. What can I say? Yeah. I think the original question was, so coding theory is not just about the internet. It involves any communication platform. Yeah. Okay. And so you were studying kind of how to optimize that so that you could improve all communication systems yes why bother improving all communication systems when you could just improve the most optimal one like why improve faxing when you can improve the internet well the thing is that if you optimize the method yeah. mm-hmm. you can use it everywhere well not every i mean it's that's not completely true because different applications have different characteristics yes. and depending on the characteristics different schemes would work best on them yeah. So what I worked on, uh, there are actually two optimal codes mm-hmm. that we know at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I worked on one of them, mm-hmm. but it's not always the best one in all applications. The second one might be better for different uh, okay. channels or something. Okay. okay, got it, got it. So now going back even further to the original yeah. question, how would you convince somebody yeah. who is interested in electrical engineering, interested in communication systems to be like, study coding theory because we need to advance coding theory. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, from my perspective, the reason I joined was that it's really, really interesting on a mathematical level. So Mm -hmm. I think anyone who's interested in like challenging problems mathematically Mm -hmm. would be very happy in those fields. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, this is going to be a really important field forever, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, regardless of how we decide to transmit data and information, in the future, this is really important and making that fast, effective, and possible mm-hmm. so that we can send as much information as possible around the world and to all of our communication channels. Right. Awesome. And I'm going to add on to that. So let's say looking back five years ago mm-hmm. and now looking now, what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, what would five, not five-year-old Rafa, but Rafa minus five years, Yeah. mathematical function. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of bit, put some bit as well a bit of bit yeah nice uh-huh. good yeah. terminology what, what would you give yourself as five-year-old yeah. advice i guess that really merges with what he's just asked previously as well you know, yeah somebody looking to to do this what would you yeah so You'd is be it like, going to img banking and become a data scientist <laughs> research so... 5g <laughs> um is it more like pre-phd rafa yeah or... pre-PhD, yeah rafa. pre-phd okay rafa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Actually, you decide. It's your two personas. You can do pre or post. Yeah. Well, I, I have mixed feelings. That's a very difficult question for me because I did change fields, right? So I, there's a lot of intersection between coding theory and data science in the sense that both use the same kinds of algorithms on graphical structures, both use the same kinds of math. But I think that going through coding theory to data science is one of like the toughest <laughs> paths. Right. So I could have gone a different way. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that it's better not to have given my past self any, any advice. advice. Yeah, I mean, it was a really challenging and, and interesting PhD. It was difficult. It didn't have to be that difficult. But I'm glad that I did it. You know, it was a challenge. I made it. And uh, I was still able to like work on things that I'm really interested in during my PhD and afterwards. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. No, you say you say that it was difficult. So, to transition from data science to communication, what was what was difficult? Communication, yeah. communication to data science. What well, was so difficult about about it? Was it because yeah. 
data science was a new thing then or was it a new thing? Oh, you know, yeah, what was difficult about it? Um, I think the PhD in itself was difficult, okay. but also the transition was difficult because I was going from academia to industry, which is not easy because then companies, they have many reasons to not hire academics, unfortunately, okay. although I think that they shouldn't have this problem, but but a lot of them do mind. And also on paper, even though mathematically and inherently the two fields have a lot in common, but on paper, my degree says communication systems, right. and I'm applying to a job title called data scientist. Okay. And so already this transition, even if you're going from academia to academia or industry to industry, is very difficult. So I was doing two jumps at once, and that was very challenging. Wow. Also, I wanted to work in London, and I don't have a work permit for London. London so yeah. Yeah. yeah, lots of challenges. <laughs> so would you say that then, I guess, the skill sets that you acquired throughout your five year plus weren't enough essentially is that what you saying or i think it was just different skill set it's just different skill set so okay is it it's uh first of all yes definitely different but uh i don't think that it was not enough because i did manage to make the transition right yes i mean i did have the background because of my bachelor i i did a lot of programming there and because of the things, the the technical skills that I learned during my PhD, I was able to sort of prove myself into the data science field. Wow. Have you been following any of the stuff that like Elon Musk is doing? Yeah. <laughs> and you know the kind of the brain microchip thing that he's trying to implement? The brain microchip? No, I don't so, I don't know so that he, one. So I, think, I, I think Google started doing that now. I think anyone who's got enough money and technological <laughs> prowess is doing it now, right? Do it, man. You've got enough money. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 no, thank see, you for saying I have enough money. money. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about the brains, but he's got loads of money. You're going to get a lot of phone calls after this uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, guests, <laughs> you know, it's not getting paid now. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, no, like they're trying to do like this thing where they, I think they put like a chip in everyone's like body or, or brain. And then you can communicate via the chips. So you don't mm-hmm. actually have to talk or do actions. You kind of just, whatever needs to, to, to be said is just said, right? Mm-hmm. How does that change what you guys are working on? I think they need 10G. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's not even a G, that's an H. That's a 1H. Oh, an H. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I'm not sure, but I think that, have you heard of the Internet of Things? Yeah. 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 So I think oh. that that would enter a lot into the, that kind of chip. Uh huh. Do you have a telescope? Because... <laughs> <laughs> telescope? It's a old joke from a different podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't pay attention to him. Continue. <laughs> so I think that would come into play for these kinds of chips because you have small components sending small messages to each other. Yeah. And that's I think that is a subfield of coding theory, or if you want, there's different kinds of codes that would work optimally for those kinds of applications. Mm-hmm. So. I haven't worked on those kinds of things, okay. but I don't think things would change because the part of the track that I worked on would still be valid in other applications. Mm-hmm. And this track of Internet of Things and whatever else is involved would also sort of evolve. I, I, I guess your one really is more about, you know, how to speed uh, the distribution of mm-hmm. that data. I don't think it's really mostly around the actual core components of, I don't know, like the chip, microchips, et cetera. Right? Would you say that? It's more about distribution, right? Yeah, I mean, those chips, you have to design them in a way that maximizes the speed. So everything's related to each other. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Corrected. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, do you do you follow a lot of Elon Musk and stuff like that? Not a lot. No, no. just a bit on Twitter. But uh, any yeah. influencers that you have that you aspire or you've always aspired to become? Or hmm. is there a communications coding theory expert out there who we should all be following? <laughs> uh, Shannon was uh, well. He he passed away, I guess. But who's that? Uh, Shannon. He's the founder of information theory. Okay. Ah, wow. And information theory. His full name is Shannon. No, but that, called yeah, that, in a cool world, that, okay. I guess that's what you call him. Right? Okay, like, like, the, like the way you call me, like, pills. <laughs> in a cool world, no one, no one calls you pills. Right. <laughs> you could own a pharmacy, that's a and no one calls you pills. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very dodgy nickname. Stop reading too much into it, okay? It's not those pills. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Claude Shannon. So he's uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Yes. Founder of information theory. He's he's a very interesting fellow. Not only. Is he really smart? So he had funny uh, habits and hobbies and so on. So I, I would encourage people to read about him. <laughs> okay. Where can we find? Is it Amazon? What do you call it? What's the thing? Amazon. 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 The, the book thing. The Amazon book thing. I'm not sure. I mean, I know about his quirky things because someone presented about him in a conference okay. and showed like a lot of very interesting pictures of him and in his boxer shorts and with his lovers. And I don't know, Whoa. What. I don't know where you can find that information elsewhere. <laughs> Well, that presentation seems exciting. Yeah. That, that, that's so shit. <laughs> so where, where, where can I find more about this stuff? <laughs> he also built like very funny applications, like this useless box that closes itself. Right. Every time you try to open it, it pulls out an arm and closes itself. And That is awesome. That is so like useful. That. <laughs> Smart people. Because that right? keeps the, the, co- the content of the box safe. You could kind of argue that it has to do with coding theory because then it's like keep it's like the encoding of the of the box, the content of like the messages. Yeah, probably. Maybe yeah. that's what he meant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Exactly. Well, someone got it, I think. Yeah. Nice. No, basically you put something you in the box. Upile puts his laptop in the box and then he gives you the box. And on the way, if somebody finds the box, the box closes itself because it's like, hey, no, you're not mom, the mom is caught help me. Box, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And then is there anyone else that we should know about or is Shannon the only guy that can inspire us all? Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't really have an influencer yeah. to be honest. You are the you influencer. Are influencer. <laughs> ah, good, yeah. I don't like to put myself under pressure. So. Yeah. Fair, fair <laughs> Just be myself. It's good enough. I was going to say uh, a, a lot of what a lot of people have influencers. No, a lot of the guys we've spoken to, you know, they, they, they are thinking of writing like a book or something like that. Mm. Are, you, are you looking to publish something? Have you considered publishing? End of your research or yeah i mean i i have published uh, my sort of academic results during my phd right so that was uh, i do have like i think everyone in the world wants on some level to be a writer Correct, yeah. <laughs> you think so no a, a lot of people maybe not everyone not me, but a lot of people yeah. want to write no. <laughs> i've started like writing novels like 10 times in my life but i've never gone through with any of them okay <laughs> What, what kind of like fiction novels, or is it like the life and times of Rafa? No, or in Australia, <laughs> Rafa grew up to the I don't know, I don't know no. what they're having. Totally theory, Shannon. Yeah, no, definitely not about myself, but uh, yeah, fiction also touching upon social problems. I think mostly influenced by my home country, <laughs> Lebanon. Yeah, there's okay. like uh, a lot of uh, modern slavery still back home. Yeah. And I I started this novel where from the perspective of a 
I think she was nine years old, of a nine-year-old girl. Yeah. How she interprets this concept of like housemaids, her look towards this changes from innocent and giving to sort of cruel with mm-hmm. time because of how society treats housemaids. So this sort of, I wanted to bring light upon this problem that we have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I never finished. Can you, can you just, if you do it, just don't make it as sad as like a Khaled Hosseini novel. Because this novel is like, like I don't know if you've read like Kite Runner or Thousand Spotted Sons or whatever his new one is, but it's like, like sad things happen. And then he's just like, that's not sad enough. I need to make this even more sadder. <laughs> and then you're true. like, you're like half of the book and you're just like in tears. And the book, the paper is not waterproof. So you're just like, <laughs> you're like, why did you make a book that's out of paper when you know everyone's going to cry reading it? Like, get a Kindle. Yeah, exactly. yeah, but then yeah, the Kindle would get Kindle. wet and then you just get like, this is I so ruined sad. It. <laughs> now I have more reasons to be sad. Yeah, exactly. I ruined my Kindle. Exactly. You just use Cody and Tyrion and that's it. And that will preserve it and then you can cry. So. Yeah, what maybe is- I should argue that coding theory fixes this problem I somehow no, i think it does actually i think just just literally go there look i know coding theory we can fix this and here's the book read it <laughs> the issues are solved there you go i'll vote for you to become the next president of, oh no uh, uh you know lebanon and no yeah, no no we'll it's way too you. much pressure it's too much pressure come on you've done this for how many years five ten bloody years so it's a lot of pressure yeah um any shout outs you want to give to anyone any school institution etc yeah definitely uh well my two alma maters are aub back home nice. the american university of beirut nice and uh, epfl in switzerland mm-hmm. so yeah i'm very grateful to those two institutions whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> also like throughout the transition from academia to industry i did s2ds science mm-hmm. data science Nice. Uh, a workshop here in London, which helped me with the transition. Nice so agree. shout out to all these three. <laughs> nice, whoop, nice. Woo, woo, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. No, thank it's really you. cool. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank you. Check out our page at patreon.com slash for inquisitive minds. Reach out to us, check out our episodes, and and stay in touch. Check it out.